2: Hey there. Happy New Year, everyone. From KQED Public Radio, this is Political Breakdown, 2019 style. I'm Marisa Lagos.
1: And I'm Scott Schaefer. Happy New Year. Year. And, uh, you know, in just a few days, we're going to have a new governor here in California. Call it a brownout. (laughs) Transition to the governor, maybe?
2: I think Gavin, yeah, would like to avoid all brown references. But that change is meaning a lot of turnover in Sacramento, where Jerry Brown's administration is packing up, and Governor-elect Newsom's staff is getting ready to hit the ground running.
1: Yeah, so we're going to have someone on the show today who knows firsthand what uh, that kind of transition is like. Aaron McClure was the press secretary for Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger for five years of his term.
2: He also worked for an Ohio governor, for Mitt Romney, and for Uber. Yeah. Which will be fun to talk about, too, Absolutely. we think. If he's, if he's down. I we'll was see. using
1: Uber <laughs> everywhere when I was in Mexico. Oh, really? Week. Just FYI.
2: Just FY. okay. Yeah, that's all. He's pro urber We'll get it. We'll get into that. But first, Scott, let's talk about um, the big news of the day.
1: A dawn, the dawn of a new day. San new Francisco,
2: era. Nancy. San Francisco's Nancy Pelosi is officially the House Speaker. We've been expecting it for a while. Yeah,
1: and you know, it was, the image of one Californian handing the oh, Kevin McCarthy handing the gavel to another uh, was interesting to me. I mean, of course, McCarthy aspired to be Speaker, uh, grasped to the ring, and didn't quite get there. In fact, had a terrible election uh, with so many of his uh, members getting defeated. But uh, it was an all-California affair, and, and then they brought the kids up.
2: Yes. And I mean, speaking of those defeats, I mean, all seven members of the new Democratic California caucus did vote for Pelosi, even after some waffling by some of them.
1: Right. This is Naros in particular.
2: (laughs) Um, But yeah. Pelosi sort of did a redux of 20, 2007, surrounded by children. Were um, there any
1: Republican kids? I mean, kids of Republicans <laughs> up there? I don't think they've I don't registered they would have yet.
2: Sent them up there. Really? It, it seems. I mean, the whole thing is very partisan, right? Like you can tell. I mean, I noticed even when she she had a line about it being a hundred years since women had the vote and how many the record number one hundred twenty seven women in both houses of Congress. The Republicans didn't stand up for that. They clapped. But yeah. when I was looking, you know still don't stand up. It's very No, yeah, no, I think
1: that's, uh, you know, at Pelosi, it it is an extraordinary story. Uh, You know, like her, hate her. She is a survivor. She's, you know, think about this, 78 years old. And uh, she was introduced by Hakeem Jeffries, who I think said, you know, she's just getting started, which probably gave, you know, heart palpitations to some of the freshman members. Uh, But no, really, if you think about. Like where
2: she, when she was born, what the world was like, where she lived. Well, How she lived her well, life. Well, and just
1: having the stamina and the the wherewithal. I mean, a lot of people at that age are traveling the world, you know, hanging out with the grandkids, uh, and you know, God bless them, you know. Yeah. But she's really so uh, committed, and as the Republicans are committed to making sure she's not successful.
2: <laughs> That's right. I mean, so I think we'll be watching, obviously, all of us in the U.S. to see what happens. But it's it's interesting. I think, as a San Franciscan to kind of see her rise again. First uh, speaker in f- six decades, I think, who retook this, the gavel after losing it.
1: And I don't think anyone's had such a you know long period in between being speaker.
2: So. Um, so, yeah, so that's happening. And then this other thing you might have heard about, 2020 election.
1: Yeah, boy, there was kind of an odd... Uh, Event today, uh, we, you know, of course, there's all these Californians thinking about running. No one's officially in yet. Kamala Harris, Eric Swalwell, Tom Steyer, Eric, uh, Garcetti. Eric Garcetti, and so uh, in Washington today, uh, Diane Feinstein was cornered in an elevator and was asked, you know, about the about 2020, and she said, "Yeah, I like Joe Biden. Uh, he's got a lot of experience. I worked with him. I really respect him." And then the door, <laughs> the door is closed, uh, and the you know, Twitter exploded. Uh, it was it was odd because she just like. Handed the endorsement without—he's not a—he's not running yet, and B, he didn't. She didn't get anything for it. It was just—it was an odd moment.
2: Yeah, I mean, and and you got to wonder what the next uh, meeting between her and Kamala Harris is going to be like. Given the doors were closed. Oh, but I like Kamala.
1: You know, like that. But uh, yeah, and no heads up, of course. But you know, I guess on some level, hey. She likes Biden. So she's entitled to say that. Uh, she's not going to have another election that she has to face. And um, I'm sure that uh, she's more comfortable in a lot of ways with with Joe Biden than, you know, she is I with Kamala a,
2: Yeah. And I think it's a very sort of Dianne Feinstein thing. She's like, what? I, I like him. We've had a long right. relationship. Yeah. I like what he did in, in the yeah. <laughs> Senate.
1: Trump could still be a good president. Um, Same thing. Uh,
2: you know, just... For fun, what's your predictions? Like, when do you think we might hear from a from a Harris or Swalwell about these intentions? They've all they all sort of indicated they were going to chew it over, over yeah, the holidays. I
1: mean, I mean certainly in January. I, I would say within the next couple of weeks, maybe. You know, I think they're gonna they're gonna all start dribbling out, and once they start, then they're all. But people like Biden can kind of hang back, you know, because he can raise money quickly and has name ID already. Swalwell and Garcetti, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, they may not get in. You right, know, you know they may be running for vice president.
2: I mean, they're certainly getting the attention. I mean, every time you turn on the TV, there's Swalwell or Schiff, Adam Schiff. From yeah, you must uh, have Europa a desk
1: Bank. at MSNBC.
2: <laughs> totally. There was one
1: moment this afternoon that Schiff was on CNN and Swalwell was on MSNBC. You know, they're they're in demand now.
2: Um, but not a lot from Steyer lately. No,
1: no. I'll we'll see. all yeah, right. Well, he needs something other than we got to impeach the president.
2: Well, we will of course be watching all this closely, since not only are there four californians potentially running that we know but of we are going to be part of super tuesday so right it'll be wow
1: and it's coming like, so fast it's
2: like a year away yeah, well yeah. a little more
1: but yeah but the organizing and all that stuff is really going to get going really <laughs> quickly
2: all right well let's turn our attention back to california we're going to take a short break and when we come back we will be with aaron mccleer you're listening to political breakdown from kqed public radio
1: And welcome back to Political Breakdown. I'm Scott Schaefer here with Marisa Lagos, and we're excited to welcome to the to the breakdown Aaron McClear. Uh, Aaron, he is a, a longtime GOP communication strategist, although perhaps not still. We will talk with him about that. Uh, he made, up, uh, made the leap to the private sector a few years ago uh, after working for Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, and uh, now working for the private sector and uh, some uh, consulting gigs uh, with Edelman. And uh, welcome to the program, first Thank of you. all. Thanks Good for coming here. in. Yeah. So, you know, not a lot of people probably know who you are. You work in, behind the scenes. And, you know, so we always we, we have a tendency to ask people, where they came from. You know, I know you grew up in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, if
2: you've ever even followed him on Twitter at all, you know where he, where <laughs> he's, he's from. an
1: Ohioan. That's right. Uh, you worked for the former governor there, and mm-hmm. you worked for others. Yeah, to Tell us about growing up in Ohio. Sure. I grew up in a rural
0: community, uh, Dark County, Ohio. It went uh, 70% for Trump. Uh, so it's a very, very Republican area of the state. Uh, and then I went to The Ohio State University. I graduated in journalism and political science there. Uh, journalism, for, so
2: you've always liked us. I have. I was
0: actually a, I was a sports writer for the Ohio State Atlantic. So I have a um, uh, journalism background, uh, almost. Um, Worked for Governor Taft there for a few years. uh, Did the Bush campaign in 2004 as the communications director. Uh, Then I went to Washington uh, to work at the RNC. uh, And then came out here in 2007 to work for Governor Schwarzenegger. Did that for four years. And then uh, was a political consultant for a few years. Went to Uber. Uh, Now I'm back to consulting.
2: So... Let's go back to in Ohio, and that seventy percent Republican or Trump supporting sure. district. Does that mean you come from a family of pretty strong Republicans? You know, I think they
0: were probably Democrats until I got involved, and they became uh, Republicans to support me. Um, but it was, um, you know, the, the it's, it's interesting to be here in the heart of the resistance and being from a place uh, you live uh, in. in FSF. Yeah, I, I, I live in in Speaker Pelosi's district. Uh, uh, we I had whatnot, Sean Walsh on like a, quite a while yeah. ago, and he was you know talking. He's in Barbara Lee's
1: district. Oh you know? no, exactly. So
0: yeah, I mean, my friends that uh, work. With the RNC, like how did you go from the RNC to living in Nancy Pelosi's district? Like how far you've you've come, um, you know. But the folks in you know back home in Dark County, it's it's interesting to hear them talk about why they support Trump, and it's not for the reasons you kind of hear here. They're not all stupid. They're not racist. They're not misogynist. They're not bad people. Um, you know, they they really believe this is a person who's delivering on what he said he'd do, which is rare for a politician. Uh, I think that the, the the conservative justices are a big deal there. I think that uh, the the tax cuts. I think that the uh, the regulatory reforms. These are real things that affect them, and. and 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 that's why they support this guy. And it's interesting to hear here why people think they do. It's it's much different there.
2: Well, let's lay out from the start, though. You are not a Republican anymore, or at least registered.
0: No, I left the party the day after it nominated President Trump.
2: Oh, before even he was elected. When That's he was right. Nominated. Yeah, the day
0: we nominated President Trump, I decided that was uh, for me. It was it was the last straw. So are you no party preference. now? That's correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hey, can I just ask who did who did you vote for in the congressional race here? I wrote in David Crane, who is a. Oh,
2: really? uh, <laughs> oh God. You guys know. Uh, pensions. Yeah, yes, pensions
0: yes, exactly. And, uh, he is uh, charter a charter school. Yes. So. I'm, a, I'm a David. I'm an Arnold Republican and David Crane, no party preference. So.
2: So has that made? I mean, you you do live in San Francisco though. Mm-hmm. You are not a uh, registered GOP anymore. Has that made the conversations you're having? with some of your family or friends back home more interesting? I mean, are you, were they surprised that you left the party? I I don't
0: think so because I was always very much a a moderate Republican. Um, You know, you you covered Arnold. I mean, you know, the idea of of, of working with, you know, Democrats, of of finding the best solutions no matter where they came from, that that appealed to me. Uh, When I worked for President Bush, I was very attracted to the fact that when he was governor, you know, he was working across the aisle with Democrats on, on education, right? He worked with Ted Kennedy on education. That has always been very attractive to me. And so when my party I think just kind of just kept drifting further to the right and further to the conspiracy theorist wing of the party and didn't really want to solve problems or work with others. It just was unattractive
1: to me. So I left. You know, we we, we often ask consultants, you know, are there candidates they've worked for that they didn't like really particularly uh, or were there issues that they had to advocate for? And, you know, you mentioned the 2004 presidential election. You were in Ohio. And a, you know, a big issue there was a gay marriage. Mm-hmm. And there was something on the ballot. that was basically intended to bring out conservative voters. It was an anti-gay marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kerry lost that state by about 60,000 votes, I think. Yeah, very close. Yeah. So, you know, you also had, a, you formed a group of conservatives for marriage choice, marriage That's equality. Right. So like talk about that transition and being there, you know, when that was such a big issue. It's, it's something I'm not proud to have been a part of.
0: To be honest with you, I think that's not—it's not a—it's not, not a secret that in 2004 um, there were a lot of marriage equality issues on ballots mm-hmm. in swing states, and that turned out a lot of evangelicals. Um, it's something that I'm very passionate about—marriage equality. Uh, when I was at the RNC, I actually walked out one day when we were to go on the radio as a. As a spokesperson and talk about that issue, it's the only issue that I've ever not been able to advocate for in my job. Uh, So it's it's something that happened a long time ago. But it's um, you know I'm I'm glad that as a country, you know we've we've been coming around on that. Unfortunately, like so many other issues, my former party uh, isn't quite there yet.
2: Well, and you've joined the ranks of a non-party that is bigger than the GOP in California now. No party preference. Welcome. Thank you. We we like having you. I'm just curious though I party, mean, of yeah, party of journalists yeah right. and consultant. Um, but you know schwarzenegger as we sort of alluded to was not a typical republican i mean he's not a typical anything right but you know he was ringing the bell on climate change before even a lot of democrats were at that table yeah um he was out there you know on marriage equality some of these other social issues not initially
1: we just, that's true yeah. that's, that's true
2: but he did he did get there i think prior mm-hmm. to a, to a lot of folks i mean and he really warned, I think, presciently about what the GOP was going to undergo in California, yeah. which was this, you know, really big plummet in registration. And now we saw them really get what, what, what was the Obama line about uh, after he, after they lost the shellacking, shellacking. Yeah, where He said,
1: I think you're we're dying at the box office. Was That's right. The line he is 11 you know. years ago. Yeah.
2: yeah. So, I mean, what do you see when you look at the California GOP? Like, what should they be doing? Well, Let's they should have listened to Arnold
0: 11 years ago. I mean, what Arnold was saying is, you know, at the time was that we're dying at the box office, we're losing numbers, right? And you've seen that precipitous drop since that point uh, in registration. Uh, we lost what seven congressional seats this year. We're down to seven of fifty some. Cut them in some. half. Yeah, it's, in a, half. it's amazing. We we have super majorities for Democrats uh, in the legislature. It is it has got precipitous like much much worse uh, since he said that. Uh, I, I do you know communications, marketing, branding, you know, reputation management for companies right now. If if I were talking to a company and they were losing market share because they were only advertising and only only selling their product to older, rural, white men, you know, I'd say, well, what are you doing? Let's find a way that we can market your product to other people. Unfortunately, even now, the Republican Party nationally and certainly in the state, they just don't want to sell what they have. They have to change their stripes, like what, but sell what they have that, to though. others.
2: Like, how is that? Because I think that some of, you know, especially on the social issues, but yeah. the, it is a challenge when you have new generations who maybe don't share the same, I don't know, value. Use a sort of a buzzword around that.
0: Well, I think look for as, as a relative relatively forty-one, but as a relatively young former Republican, uh, I think the social issues are, are a barrier for a lot of people my age and younger. They say, "Well, hold on a second. Like, I'm with you on fiscal conservatism. I'm with you on reducing the debt. I'm with you on the military. But hold on a second. You don't think gay people should get married? That's insane, you know." So these are issues I think are threshold issues that that we need to get past. But even beyond that, um, we need to be talking about we, my former we, my former party, <laughs> needs to be talking much more about why you know personal responsibility and freedom is is. Is the way in which we're going to lift people out of poverty and get them a good education, and it's just not happening. What would it take for you to rejoin the party? Oh, I, I would love to. I hope I can someday. I think as long as it's it's being led by by President Trump and these conspiracy theorists on the right, um, it's it's just not a place where I feel comfortable being.
1: It's weird to me that uh, you know that a party can so quickly, you mm-hmm. know, the party of George Bush, yeah, George W. Bush and H. W. Bush, Ronald Reagan, you know, can suddenly become a party that seems so much more. Uh, you know, uh, disinterested in facts and science yeah. and all that stuff. Like, wh- how how do you think about that transition? Well, well,
0: let me just say this. To be fair, I think that the far left, of the Democratic Party, is is no better. I think they're also disinterested in the facts and disinterested in bipartisanship and working with 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 each other. Um, I, I don't know how far it fell. You all had Tim Miller on uh, recently, and Tim is actually doing a lot of work and looking into kind of how we got here. Uh, I think a lot of it had to do with the you know with the with the Tea Party movement. If you look at the you know what happened with with Sarah Palin and what that sort of ignited uh, in people, and they, it kept going. Um but for whatever reason the you know sort of the adults in the room are no longer controlling things and it's these the these these conspiracy theorists, these Steve Bannon types that are that are running things now.
2: But you mentioned and I wanna move on in a second, but you you know, you mentioned immigration, um you mentioned that you know, this issue of of I think people in maybe coastal cities thinking that Trump supporters are racist. But that mm-hmm. really has been a huge issue. And I do wonder how you, you know, when you're talking about bridging some of those those gaps, yeah. how you do that if you have a party that has really embraced some of these more hardline immigration positions? Yeah.
0: Well, I think it takes things like what, what Governor Romney did the other day with his with his op-ed in the Washington Post, which is to really call out the president for for some of this this moral behavior. You know, forget the issues for a second, but just the way in which he's behaving. Uh, I think that's important. I think it takes uh, the Jeb Bushes of the world. I think it takes the leaders that we've had that, that can stand up and say, hey, look, this is wrong. You know, I've been really disappointed, not just in Trump and the You know, the far right. But the folks who I would typically support that they're not out there saying, hey, hold on a second. You know, this is this is not the way to go.
1: Just a reminder, you're listening to Political Breakdown from KQED Public Radio. And our guest today is former uh, spokesman for Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger, Aaron McClear. I'm here with um, Marisa Lagos as well. Um, just a, another question about Arnold. You know, he was he he came into office. You know, with the promising to blow up the boxes and all Snash that. Smash in stuff. the car. I know you the weren't there for the very initial mm-hmm. part. You came for the second term. But you know, what was he like to to work for? Oh, he was great. I mean,
0: he. I have a. You know, I'm blindly loyal to Governor Schwarzenegger. He. You know, I met my wife there. He came to our wedding. He's been so incredibly generous to us. I think the way in which he led, which was, look, when I when I interviewed with him, I probably talked to a half dozen Democrats before I went in the smoking tent and talked to him. You know, and that was actually really appealing to me, and that showed me that this is someone who wants to work with everybody. You, you mean know, people who were working promise. for him? Exactly. Including his chief of staff. I had an interview with Susan Kennedy and David uh, Daniel Zingali and Bonnie Reese and all these Democrats before I even talked to him, which I thought was really great. But look, working for him was, it was an amazing experience. I think that he had such outsized big ideas, and he was really accomplishing a lot. I think he got a lot done the last 3 years dealing with the great recession was was really difficult. We couldn't get these things done that we wanted to do. We had to deal with this budget deficit for 3 years, but uh, he was he's an amazing man. He's still doing amazing things on 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 political reform, on the environment.
2: And he's taken on Trump. Absolutely. Very absolutely. <laughs> I, you know, I just
0: wish there were more people in the Republican Party who would who would stand up and, and you know speak truth to power.
2: So, but he did oversee, you know, a really awful time on the state budget when right. you guys left office. Uh, he left, you know, there was $27 billion deficit. Um, Gavin Newsom's coming in with a surplus. I guess as someone who's been, like, in that building, in the horseshoe working, what would you, what would your advice be to this new governor?
0: Here's what I'm worried about, is that for, for all that Governor Brown accomplished, and I think he did a lot of wonderful things, um, we didn't do anything about the unfunded liabilities and the pension reform. He did some marginal things that didn't really affect it. And we did nothing about the tax system. Those are the two big elephants in the room that are going to come back to bite us when we don't have six years of a a good market, right?
1: Do you yeah. think that because Newsom has said that everything's on the table with regard to tax reform, including Prop 13? Mm-hmm. I mean, can you see some modification to Prop 13 that might include, say, a split roll for yeah. commercial property that you know would be part of the grand bargain? Say. I think
0: everything needs to be on the table, and I think that the, the electorate is different than it was in 1978 when 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 that proposition passed. But I, I don't think there should be any sacred cows. It's a real it's a real problem. I mean, we are going to go through another recession, you know, any day now, right? <laughs> and when we do, you know, that twenty we have a twenty some billion dollar or less surplus that's going to go away, and whatever's in the rainy day fund is going to go away. Like really that's fast. that's that's the exactly that's, that's that's pocket change compared to the problem we're going to have.
2: And I mean the other difference between both when you were up there and even some of Brown's terms is that you have this like super duper majority of Democrats, right? Um, and we I, we've talked on this show a lot about the potential for you know that being a double edged sword for for Newsom. I, I'm curious though, like what do you see as the opening since you're in the private sector now for business with this because it seems to I mean like moderate Democrats have kind of become the Republicans of 10 years ago right like do you think that there's I don't know is is it a better or worse place to be as, a, as somebody in the business sector, than it was a couple years ago.
0: I think it's. I think they've they've been smart. I think the chamber has been smart in changing their strategy instead of blindly uh, endorsing and supporting Republicans. A few years ago, they decided, Hey, hold on a second. Republicans are completely irrelevant in California now. Uh, we need to get with the moderate Democrats. We need to back the moderate Democrats or the business friendly folks who are going to you know support some of their issues. I think they've been smart in doing that.
1: I want to ask you about the private sector. You did work for Uber for a while, a company that really needed a change in corporate image. You know what was that like working? There And did you try, you know, to change the image? It had, you know, the CEO ultimately left, mm-hmm. uh, ho- very bro kind of atmosphere, horrible mm-hmm. environment for women, minorities. Uh, you know, was that? did you see all that or, you know, was that overblown or did you see it?
0: No, cor- no we were there. I was, I was in the middle of all of it. And uh, I was part of the, the the team that was dealing with it on a day to day basis. Uh, and first of all, it was fascinating for someone like me, you know, who comes from politics. Uh, it had that pace and intensity and importance and front page mm-hmm. news every day. Right. And so it was it was it was really really fascinating. I what, think it was, like
2: what was fascinating? Well,
0: I think it was fascinating to deal with something that was so that was so quick moving and that was so that we couldn't prepare for. Right. That's the that's the stuff that you do in politics. That's that gets your adrenaline going. Like you know? campaigns. Exactly. It's like a campaign. The only difference is on a campaign you got that that, that calendar on the wall where right. you go 32 days, 31 days. Right. At Uber there was no calendar on the wall. It was <laughs> like it was <laughs> like that pace. We had no idea when it was going to end. Uh, but we were, I worked with some really smart, really great people there. There 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 continues to be some really smart, really great people there. What about the culture? I think the culture is changing. I think it's tough to shift the culture from what it was to to what I think it's going to become. Uh, I think Dara is excellent. He's the new CEO, and he's brought in a great leadership team there.
2: What do you see? Like, is it very—I mean, you mentioned sort of the fast-paced culture, which is unusual because a lot of people go from politics to the private sector, and mm-hmm. I think are like, why do we have to have f- 55 meetings about anything? <laughs> Can someone make a decision? Yeah. But then there's also similarities in that the original uh, CEO of Uber really did set the tone, Travis Kelpernick mm-hmm. and, you know— uh, I guess like is, what are the differences in a corporation versus a candidate and, and are there similarities?
0: I think it was very similar, at least at Uber. Uh, now I work with some other corporations now that are not as fast paced and not as hyper growth as it was at Uber, but certainly at Uber, it did feel like the, the, the company was the candidate. Mm-hmm. And you heard David Plouffe, who I used to work with when he came into Uber, that's what he said. He said he's going to treat the you know, Uber as the candidate. And we really ran the policy and comm shop you know, similar to what a political campaign is. I work with other companies right now that are a little bit slower paced that have a little bit more bureaucracy. Um, you know, frankly, from my background, I much prefer those kind of startupy uh, cultures. I work with a, um, a venture capital firm here in town that, that where I get to ha- have some exposure to that. It's a lot more fun.
1: Well, and I know you worked with Ron Conway, uh, who uh-huh. uh, helped to uh, is sort of an angel investor, very controversial here in San Francisco. He's, I think, a former Republican, but was a yeah. big backer of Ed Lee. And you, yeah,
2: only a- controversial because he entered into the political sphere, right? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. No, <right. laughs> was was controversial <laughs> about Ron, before that, but yeah.
1: uh, you know, talk about that. We're, you know, working. For Ed Lee, why you felt uh, I mean, that was something that, he, that Conway wanted, yeah. and, and Lee was obviously very pro-tech, mm-hmm. uh, which some think now maybe wasn't the best thing for the city. Well, that was a,
0: that was a I, mean, I totally disagree with that, but that, I mean,
1: that, was a, that was a fun campaign. I met Ron in 2011
0: and, and, and ran the independent expenditure campaign in support of of, uh, of Mayor Lee. Um, it was the one with the MC Hammer video. Right, that's what I was going yeah, yeah, to bring up. You guys got a lot of attention
2: for that. Yeah,
0: it was great. It was, a, it was a lot of fun. I've worked with Ron since then. Uh, but no, I think Ed Lee did a lot of great things for the city. I, I think that, that, that Mayor Breed now is going to continue some of that work. And, and I know she's very focused on, on a lot of the issues that we have here.
1: Do you think the tech is sort of unfairly maligned in terms of uh, changing the culture of the city, driving up, uh, you know, really having a big yeah. negative impact on affordability and so on? I, I think that it's it's a
0: factor that needs to be looked at. But I think that a
1: lot of other factors
0: are, you know, the I think that it is, you know, you talk about Sacramento being, you know, a one horse town. I mean, you know, there's just different shades of, of liberal liberalism here in, in San Francisco. So, I don't think there's a lot of uh, of of opposing views in City hall uh, that could come up with some some interesting solutions. I'm hoping Mayor Breed, I believe in her quite a bit that she's going to come up with some of these solutions. But I think it's overly simplistic to say that because we have this influx of tech companies here, which are by the way providing a ton of jobs and you talk to rumpture you know restaurants and and other other small businesses around town, they're they're very happy to have the business. Uh, it's, I think it's very narrowly uh, focused to say it's because of tech that we have these issues.
2: So you just said nice things about former Mayor Ed Lee who mm-hmm. passed away uh, about a year ago and current Mayor London Breed. That leads me to believe you have voted for Democrats. Oh, I voted for a lot of <laughs> Democrats. I
0: think I think I wrote a check to, to Mayor Breed. Uh, I wrote a check to uh, whoever the, the, the current United States Senator is from Alabama who, ra- who ran against Roy Moore. I don't even know his name. Doug, Doug, <laughs> Doug Jones. Jones. Sure, yes. Yeah, so I, I wrote a check to him. Uh, I was quick to do that when our party decided to, to support a, a pedophile. So uh, I've supported lots of Democrats uh, um, uh, back um, through the years. Most, mostly Republicans, but, yeah.
1: you know. It's a little out of left field, but, you know, you mentioned in Alabama. What, what do you make of the you know the, the kerfuffle around the the managing partner of the Giants who got in trouble for sending donations to you know campaigns that ended up using you know making racist ads and so on?
0: Oh God! So it was, I, I didn't see that, but the, the the managing director of the of the Giants, yeah, Johnson, I think his name. Okay, is. if you don't know about it, we'll skip well, it. Well, I, I think that yourself. like I, I think that you need to be careful, and I, when I advise you know uh, you know individuals and, yeah. and corporations on how they're going to play politically, you, you got to vet this stuff very 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 thoroughly because. Um, um, you know, a lot is particularly now there's a lot of snake oil with a lot of what these, you know, political consultants are selling. And we've seen recently, you know, a lot of them getting in some trouble. So you have to be very careful to vet where your, your money is being spent.
2: So let's talk about next. So Monday Newsom gets sworn in. Yep. Um, we will actually have a special broadcast. Scott will be up there along with our own one. Katie Orr. Yep. Um, but, you know, you were there as Schwarzenegger exited the stage What's it like handing off the reins to a new administration? And is it, it, it's probably a little different this time because it's a Democrat to a Democrat, but it it must always be a little strange.
0: Well, it was... Look, for, I mean, personally, it was it was bittersweet. I mean, we turned the lights out in that place. We, we didn't want to go. We we loved and adored and still do Governor Schwarzenegger. And we really were proud of the work we did, so it was a sad moment. Um, we spent a lot of time with Governor Brown and his wife and his team as they were coming in. Um, frankly, they had been there before. You yeah. know, he had spent his lifetime in public service, so he, they didn't need us. They, they were they, I think they were very gracious about saying, thanks, but no thanks. We're, <laughs> you know, just let, let us let us move in here. Let us know when the, the Conan sword is gone so we can move in. Um, uh, and I think this is. Like, you know, you have a lot of people like 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 Daniel Gonzalez and like Ana Montesantos who served under Governor Schwarzenegger, mm-hmm. who served, you know, at least Anna with, with this administration. I think there's a lot of holdovers. Um, we didn't do that. Governor Brown didn't keep, if anybody, uh, from, from Governor Schwarzenegger's office. So I think you have a, an easier transition, not just dem to dem, because we had, you know, we were friends with, with Governor Brown. But I think more of it has, you know, you have the personnel who's going to stick around. I think it's going to be an easy transition. Did, did
1: you happen to witness any of the meetings, if there were any, between uh, Governor Schwarzenegger and Jerry Brown? Yeah, a little bit. We had well, was it and, it well, It wasn't the first time they met. You know, they, He yep. was the attorney general. Sure. So we,
0: they had, and he, I think he, oh, was, he, right. yeah. he had been around and they had yeah. worked together. They had a good working relationship. It's hard and to frankly, think of two more different people. Uh, you know, but they're both very intellectual. You know, they're both very, and they both care very much about California. They both care very much about the environment. Uh, and I think that they both, you know, understand that the, you know, the fiscal issues that we're facing with the tax reform and the pensions I just mentioned. So uh, I actually think that they have a lot more in common than they, they do apart.
2: All right, thirty seconds left. Have you ever driven Uber?
0: I did. Yeah, I did about forty trips um, when I was working there just to get a better understanding of it. And I, I ended with uh, five stars.
2: Yeah,
0: but, yeah, five stars. No bad right. worst, worst story? Um, I didn't have. You know, I actually Nobody threw up in your car. I actually someone got in my car. Uh, someone got in my car who I actually knew from Sacramento, a political consultant from Sacramento. Yeah, you and know, gave four, you three stars. Yeah, exactly. So no, it was it was a really great experience. You know, it was it was it was fun.
2: So, backup in case politics. And you never know. It's a great gig. It's a great gig. You're
0: not going to hear me say anything bad about that about that company. The McClear family are big supporters of Uber.
2: Nice. Well, thank you so much for coming in. you going to the
0: inauguration on Monday or no? I will not. Uh, I will not be in town on Monday, sadly. I'll be at the national championship game down in Santa Clara. Oh, so yeah. I'm, going to, wow. I'm going to miss it.
2: Hashtag priorities. That's exactly right. <laughs> All right. Well, Aaron McLear, Thanks a lot. thank you again. In. That will do it for this edition of Political Breakdown, a production of KQED Public Radio. As we mentioned, we'll be back Monday with live coverage of Gavin Newsom's inauguration starting at 11 a.m.
1: And later in the week, we'll continue the party during our regular uh, breakdown. Thursday, we'll sit down next week with Senator Holly Mitchell, who chairs the Budget Committee.
2: We'll get her perspective just hours after Newsom unveils his first spending plan. That is like Christmas for political junkies. For this week, our producer is Guy Marzarati, and our engineer is Seal Muller.
1: Ethan Lindsay is our executive editor. Holly Kernan is our chief content officer. I'm Scott Schaefer. You can follow me at Twitter. I'm at Scott Schaefer.
2: And I'm Marisa Lagos. You can find me at M. Lagos. That is a wrap for this week's political breakdown from KQED. See you next time.